Uh, the title, uh, if you look there, your bulletin is God's love will not let his gomer go. What else said, brother? I know, I think we had a title that God's, that God's love will not let us go, maybe. But you see the theme, I think, of the whole Hosea study is a love that will not let us go. This one is God's love will not let his gomer go. Um, just quick roadmap, maybe, and I'll, the way we unpack, I, I hope that you can track with me. But the, the roadmap for this morning is kind of like state what I did last week, state what I'm going to do this week. And that's so basically it was like looking at Israel. Today we're looking at us, the Gentiles, anybody who's not of the nation of Israel. Um, and then looking at how this applies to us today more so. The actual text of what it says. Um, so I'll get into that. So that's, that's somewhat the roadmap, and I think you'll be able to track with me as we go through it. But just, just think of that. I'm going to take this text, and I'm going to try to unpack it to where it fits up today and not be unbiblical about it at all. So that's, that's the goal, the roadmap. God's love will not let his gomer go. Let's... Um, Let's pray, and then we'll read, and then go. So let's let's pray. Father God, I'm I am always needy and desperate for you to move, for you to move on my heart, and to move on the people's hearts. And I'm desperate and needy for you to to bind Satan and any principalities of darkness that might be near us. Bind them, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, out of this place, out of our heads, out of our flesh, out of our kids' lives. Pray, God, that you would give us focus and understanding, give us wisdom from up above, open your scriptures and cause us to burn. Give us new understandings that will bring wisdom that we can apply to our lives that would be strengthened in our truth, our faith would be bold, our faith would be courageous, our faith would be humble, our faith would be loving. God, cause us to be more like you. Wash us and cleanse us in your word today, Lord. Keep me from error and keep your people from not hearing your word. Let them hear, Father God. Let your, the, the seed of your word land in the soil. Let the soil be soft and let your seed go deep and produce fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Hosea chapter 3. If you want to go there in your Bibles with me. Hosea chapter 3. I just want to read all of that again. Hosea chapter 3. Then the Lord said to me, Again, love a woman who is loved by her husband, yet an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the sons of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes. So I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a half of barley. Then I said to her, you shall stay with me for many days. You shall not play the harlot. Nor shall you have a man, so I will also be toward you. For the sons of Israel will remain for many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, and without ephod, ephod or household idols. Afterward, the sons of Israel will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they will come trembling to the Lord and to his goodness in the last days." So, some of you weren't here last week, but last week we unpacked Hosea chapter 3, the one we just read, focusing on the immediate context being the nation of Israel as a whole. How they, even today, will be wandering without ruler, without priest, without sacrifice, even without the Lord. God, we see that how, how God has brought humiliation that will in the last days lead them not to despair. That was last week's title, remember? Humiliation that leads to not despair but to deliverance. 
So this humiliation that God has brought on them, it will in the last days lead them as a nation, or at least as a remnant of a nation, to Jesus Christ as their Messiah. So that's what you have to understand from last week, looking at Israel in this context, because this is a prophecy from God to Hosea, speaking directly to Israel as a nation. And I'm, I impacted that last week, that in the last days there will be a remnant that all the humiliation will lead them to deliver. So lead them to Jesus Christ as their Messiah. Look at verse 5 again. It says, afterwards... The sons of Israel will return, and they will seek the Lord their God and David their king. David their king, most likely pointing to the seed of David, the house of David, the descendant of David, which if you look at 1 Chronicles 17, 23-27, it's showing you that the house of David, the descendants of David, the seed would be Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So most likely that verse right there, and to David, their king, and I cannot say, like I said last week, with absolute certainty that it's not, that God will not raise David and have him be some kind of prince in those days of the thousand year reign. He might, he maybe, he might be doing that. I don't know. Like I said, God will boggle your mind. Amen? I'm okay with that. But this here, this text, I, I think most likely is pointing to the seed, the descendant, the household being to Jesus Christ. And then it goes on to say, they... The nation of Israel will come in these last days trembling to the Lord and to his goodness in the last days. You see that. So we understand this. These last days will happen as Paul explained them. Um, the mystery in Romans 11 of how there, there will be one body, one church. It will be Jew and Gentile. And how God has implored a partial hardening on the nation of Israel, so that right now they, as a whole, do not turn to Jesus until when? Can someone help me? Until when? Until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Gentile means anything other than an Israelite. Anything other than a Jew. So once all those who have been chosen before the foundation of the world, come in and are saved, there'll be the remnant of Israel, they will be saved. Because it says, then in the last days, we will see, they will see, all will see, all nations will see, all the humiliation and all the discipline and punishment will be lifted and all Israel will be saved. As Hosea 3, 5 says, he says, they will seek the Lord. They will return. They will come trembling to Him. So humiliation was ultimately unto deliverance and not despair. Somebody said, man, you really got pretty fired up about the Israel nation. And I did. But you got to understand, I'm for them, not against them. Because Jesus is for them and not against them. Jesus is the Savior of the world. And I want them all to turn to him. As Paul, when we get in there where Paul says he, he would move them to jealousy. That would be a great goal. So, but today, here's the deal. I want you to remember last week is all the discipline and humiliation is to deliverance, not dis, to despair. Today, I want us to focus on the other branches. The other branches that make up this one church. Let's go there. Let's go to Romans 11 and see what Paul says when he unpacks this mystery of the one church for us. Romans 11 verses 14 through 29. That's what I want to read. So it's right after Acts. You go to Romans 11, and it's right before 1 Corinthians. So Romans 11, verse 14 to 29. Paul says, I want to move to jealousy my fellow countrymen and save some of them. For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the first piece of dough is holy, the lump is also. And if the root is holy, the branches are too. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive, pointing at the Gentiles, anyone who's not an Israelite, being a wild 
olive, were grafted in among them and became partaker with them of the rich root of the olive tree. Do not be arrogant toward the branches. But if you're arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. You'll say then, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in? Yeah, quite right. Amen. They were broken off for their unbelief. But you stand by your faith. Don't be conceited, but fear the Lord. Right? Fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, He'll not spare you either. Behold then the kindness and the severity of God to those who fell severity, but to you God's kindness. If you continue in His kindness, otherwise you also will be cut off. And they also, listen to this, if they do not continue in their unbelief, they'll be grafted in. God's able to graft them in again. That's the whole point of Hosea 3 and 1 through 5 is like they've rejected Jesus, they've rejected the gospel, and then God says, believe, and then they believe in the end, and God grafts them back in. You see that, but we're focusing on the Gentiles. <laughs> I want you to know why they're having this unbelief that cuts them out and brings you in. If they didn't continue in unbelief, God would graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? Here it is. I, I don't want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery. So that you will not be wise in your own estimation. A partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved just as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He'll remove the ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. From the standpoint of the gospel, they're enemies for your sake. But from the standpoint of God's choice, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. We're focusing today on the Gentiles. But I know you heard God's heart about the Israelites. They're going to come home. But I want us to see Hosea 3 for us Gentiles, how this picture of the unfaithful bride loved by the faithful, faithful groom applies to us as well. I, I, I showed you that picture over and over, how Hosea is a right, picture of God and Gomer's picture of Israel. Well, when God saves us through Christ by grace, through faith, he betroths us to his son Jesus Christ, to God the Son. We become the bride. Man or woman, it doesn't matter. In the spirit, you become the bride of Christ. You become the wife of Christ. God betroths us to God the Son, Jesus Christ. So the marriage, it is to God. But God has made a way for all. For Jew and Gentile to be betrothed to God forever and in this way through Christ, once we're covenanted into marriage, never again to be abandoned, never again to be forsaken, never again to be cast away and divorced, never to become the slave or a wife of another. But God made a way, God made a way that you and I would not be like Gomer was to Hosea or as Israel was to God. God made a way that that would be us. God made a way that we would enter into a covenant relationship with Him, salvation through Christ Jesus, betrothed to the Son of God. He's our groom. And God made a way, sealing us with the Spirit for this day of redemption that will never be abandoned, never be forsaken. But more than that, God made a way that you would never be like Gomer.
See, because I think, last week, I think people thought, that's weighty, because they're thinking, man, how could you be such a gomer, <laughs> Israel, right? How could you be such a gomer? And that might have been in our, heart, in our hearts. How could we be so uppity, so arrogant, and think, man, Israel, you have God and you just run around on him. How could you be such a gummer? And I'm thinking before I get that way, before I get to saying, how could they be so blind? How could they be so disobedient? How could she play the harlot to such a faithful groom and husband? Before we say those things, maybe you said them last week. Maybe you weren't here last week. And maybe you read Hosea 1 through 3 and think, how do you be such a gomer, Israel? And, and I, I think before we say that, we have to say, say, am I? Let's be sure that we are not such a gomer. Let's be sure that we're not being a gomer. And that's how I want to see this text, Hosea 3, applying to us. Look at, uh, look at 2 Corinthians 11, verse 1 and 2. This is what Paul says in uh, 2 Corinthians 11, uh, 1 through 2, verses 1 and 2. He says, bear with me. He's like, bear with me a little foolishness, okay? I'm going to be foolish when I say this. He says, for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy because I married you. I betrothed you to one husband. I led you to Christ. I showed you the gospel. You received and accepted it and was sealed with the Spirit. I betrothed you to one husband. So that to Christ I might present you a pure virgin. That's, that's what Paul's saying. Look at Hosea 2.19. It sounds a lot the same of what God was saying to Israel. He's saying, I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice and loving kindness and in compassion. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and then you will know the Lord Paul's like, I've betrothed you to Christ. You're going to be a pure virgin. You're going to be clean, stainless, spotless, without blemish. I mean, listen to it. You're going to be righteous. Paul explains this uh, betrothal or this marriage covenant with Christ and the church, which again, uh, that's the mystery of the one body, Jew and Gentile. The body... And the head being Jesus Christ. And look at Ephesians 5, 22 through 32. It's a long time. We have a lot of cross-references, but we're going to get there. Maddie said I wasn't allowed to go for an hour today. So, Ephesians 5, 22. Ephesians 5, 22 through uh, 32. Let's, do, let's read that. Uh, it talks about wives are be, to be subject to their own husband as to the Lord. The husband is the head of the wife as Christ also. He's the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. As the church is subject to Christ so also, the wives ought to be their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives just as. I mean, I, wanna, like, I really want to just highlight these points about Christ. Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's what husbands are to do for their wives. So that, and that's, this is why he did this, so that Christ might sanctify her, the church, have cleansed her, the church, by the washing of water with the word on the church, and that Christ Jesus, he himself, might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot, no wrinkle, or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also love their own wives as their own bodies, he who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. Just as Christ also does the church. Christ nourishes it and cherishes it and loves his own body, because the body of Jew and Gentile making the church is Christ's body, and he's the head, the savior of the body. And when he loves it, he's loving himself, he's loving his body. And I keep reading, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to, what is it? Christ and the church. The husband and wife relationship is all pointing to Christ and the church. So go back through and highlight all that. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot to take in. I, I pray you took it in. If you didn't read it again, but it's all to say, like Israel, as a nation was and is the bride of God. And Gomer was the physical picture of the 
awful, unfaithful. Bride, Gomer was a physical picture of the bride, Israel, as a nation. And Hosea was the picture of God, the faithful husband and his unconditional love for his bride. I want to say this. We who are in Christ Jesus are the bride of God. And so this story of Hosea 3 is for us. It's for us as well. It's for us to see this. It's for us. It's for us to see it, to hear it, to feel it, find conviction through sorrow and sympathy that we might have the eyes of our hearts opened, that we might recognize any of this harlotry in ourselves, any unfaithfulness in ourselves, and that we would return and seek the Lord. That we would come trembling to the Lord and to His goodness and that we would find forgiveness and we would find deliverance through repentance. I mean, you hear it. His kindness leads you to, help me out, repentance. It's the same message that it was for Israel. He says all this humiliation, all this punishment, all this discipline is not to lead to despair but to lead to deliverance and this is the same message for us let me read this to you men there's a quote from robert tuck men either find a sort of excuse in persisting that god is a god of wrath and judgment or they presume on his goodness and say that he will take no notice of sin god is good and he won't do anything with sin in spite of this the mightiest of all moral forces is goodness it's a mother's power. It's Christ's power. It melts, it draws, it wins. But it is goodness not in the abstract. It's goodness brought home to us. Who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's goodness. The goodness that they're going to come to is he loved me and he gave himself up for me. You know what goodness says? You've got to hear this. Goodness, kindness leads us to repentance. And then this is what I'm telling you that the goodness is saying. Repent. The goodness is saying repent. Is it hard? Nay. Nay, it's not hard. Nay, it is but the first step on the way to trust, to love, and to eternal life. That's the goodness of God. He moves in your life and says, look at the sin you got. And he goes, repent. And you go, this is hard. He goes, no, it's not. Because I'm here to take you in and forgive you and wash you and cleanse you. It's not hard. It's the first step. The first step on your way to trusting him, loving him, and to eternal life. God's new goodness seems to freshen the sense of his lifelong goodness and of his saving goodness. Until the cords of God seem to be all about us. And it becomes evident that He is graciously leading us to Himself. I love that. I love that. God's goodness leads us to repentance and you're just realizing it's not the repentance the point is not the repentance don't stay right there it's to him you realize this graciousness this goodness of what god's doing finally evidently you're like oh thank you for repentance but why do you want repentance why do you want forgiveness why do you want this because he's leading you to himself you get to be with god so, we got to see ourselves here in Hosea. I, I think we're so abstract at God's goodness. Like, we, what? Is this name for me? Uh, let's look at how God um, defines harlotry. Right? So we can know if we're being a gomer or not. I, that's what I, I want to see. Are we being a gomer or not? Are we... How, what's the definition of harlotry? Do them a favor. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 6, verse 15. Let's go 1 Corinthians 6, verse 15 through 20. We'll move quickly. 
1 Corinthians 6, 15 through 20. So I'm going to first look at our brideship, our brideship to Christ Jesus. Here we are. 1 Corinthians 6, 15 through 20. It says, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. Do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? He says the two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside his body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you're not your own? Look at James 4, 4 and 5. James is right after Hebrews. Hebrews, then James. James 4, 4 and 5. James 4, 4 and 5. He says, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he's made to dwell in us. Look at Revelation 21.9. Revelation 21.9. One of the angels, one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and spoke with me saying, Hey John, come here. I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. According to these verses, we are one with Christ. We are one spirit with him. So when we go with another, we're committing adultery against our husband, harlotry against Christ Jesus. We are the bride. We are the wife of the lamb. And in today's age, let me, let's say it this way. In today's age, if a believer is a friend of the world... As difficult as it may be to hear it, this is difficult to hear. It's difficult to say it. In today's age, if a believer is a friend of the world, we don't just hear it, we say it. We read it in God's Word in James 4, verse 4. He says that if we desire friendship with the world, we are adulteresses. We are wives that commit adultery against their husband. So to God, the faithful husband, this constitutes as harlotry. Brothers and sisters, this is being a gomer. The, wor- the, the world being the course of this world, its systems, its philosophies and traditions, its, and its beliefs, it, is, this is the world. If you desire friendship with the world, you're an adulteress. You are a wife that is committing adultery against her husband. You're being a gomer. Look at Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, 1 and 3. It says, Ephesians 2, 1 and 3. 2, 1, and 3. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, the age of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Just to answer who's the prince of the power of the air that rules this course or this age even today, I should say especially today, according to God in 1 John five nineteen, who is it? It's the evil one. It's... It's the devil. Okay. So this, this, I just want this, I want this one sentence to just weigh home, like come home and be weighty on your heart, even crush you. Because Psalm says that God draws near the crushed in spirit, to the broken and contrite in heart. If we don't ever see ourselves as a gomer, you'll never be crushed in spirit. You'll never be broken and contrite. You won't. But if you see yourself, I'm like that, Gomer and Hosea 3, and I don't want to be. Let me say it one sentence that will come home. It says, to desire friendship or have friendship with the world 
is committing adultery against God, your husband, and to finish it, with the devil. We're so focused. I'm not a friend of the world. I don't desire to be with the world. I'm not, having, I'm not committing adultery with the world. I, no, no, you're, that's right, you're not. If you're desiring friendship with the world, you're committing adultery with the devil against God. Can I, can I say this? You're sleeping with the devil. That's what, that's what gomers do. That's what Hose, the whole picture of Hosea is. It's a spiritual picture of what Israel was doing. Forsaking the Lord and committing idolatry and loving raisin cakes, which is self-indulgences. Who doesn't do that? So we don't get uppity. We don't get arrogant. We don't say, whoa, how can you be such a gomer, you? He said, God help me not to be a gomer. So you hear that sentence, and here comes a weighty question for you and me. Can anyone admit or confess? You don't have to raise your hand, but I've made friendships with the world. Can anyone admit or confess that you've made or desired friendship with the world? Can anyone admit that? Can anyone confess that? I've desired friendship with the world, socially, economically, politically, physically. In any way, have you ever, can you commit or can you confess or can you admit that you have at one time or another had a desire or had a friendship with the world? And so that weightiness comes and you say, I was sleeping with the devil. God forgive me. I was like Gomer was to Hosea. I was like Israel was to God. That was me, and I had the Spirit of God within me, and I was sleeping with the devil. Maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you can't see it, but I'll ask another question. Have you ever gotten mad because you didn't get something you wanted or thought you deserved? Have you ever gotten angry that's the same as mad, isn't it? <laughs> same thing. Have you ever stole something or cheated and lied to get something that you wanted and you thought you deserve it and you should have it and they shouldn't and so you took it from them or you took it and you didn't let no one else have it? Have you ever done that? Have you ever said hurtful things or gave somebody the cold shoulder or even held back love and affection on purpose, held back encouragement on purpose to hurt somebody else, to hold somebody back because you, they said something or did something you didn't approve of or didn't like and you're going to get them back. If you can answer those questions honestly from your heart, I just want to tell you, Brothers and sisters, that's just an identifying help for you from God that you can think and ponder with your heart and your mind. I might have an idol in my, in my heart. I don't get what I want. I get angry. I steal. I cheat. I lie. I say hurtful things. That identifies an idol in your heart. Okay? And, and you know what an idol is, right? An idol is something you worship instead of God. And it could be anything. And every single person in this room has a different idol that they worship, that they answer to, that they serve. What I'm saying is that's how you worship it. You, I, what are you saying, saying, Pastor Kevin? I never bow down to nothing. Oh, good. That's good. I'm glad. You shouldn't other than God. But what you do is you serve it. It rules your thoughts. It rules where your feet go and your hands go and your eyes go. It rules where your ears go. It rules what you want to see. It rules what you want to think. It rules what you want to say. It's an idol. That's how you worship it. You serve it. And you know what happens? This is crazy. You get mad. I get mad when another person will come along and serve it with me. Aren't you going to serve my idol? <laughs> how dare you? You're not serving my idol. You get mad. You say, you should do this because I believe this is the greatest thing that ever, ever, ever came about. You don't think so? No, I don't. How dare you? And you're mad. 
look, I'm not going to join you in your idol worship. I'm not going to join you in your harlotry. I'm not going to join you in your adultery. I got to fight my own. You got to fight your own. Because in that right there, you are sleeping with the devil. And then you want me to join you in the bed. God forbid. God forbid. So careful when you're mad when someone else won't join you in what you think is so important above everything else that you're willing to lie, cheat, steal, and get angry and give someone the cold shoulder about. It might just be an idol. So here it is. Can anyone in here, this is the bottom line question. If I can't help you here, I, I, I really can't help you as your pastor and your shepherd. Because all I'm asking here in the bottom line is, can anyone in here confess or admit you have idols in your heart? From what I just spoke about. If this preaching isn't true and real and authentic, it's the Holy Spirit's not moving on your heart and saying, you might have an idol in your heart, and you can't admit that and confess that, I'm not doing you. I don't know what I'm doing. But I know that's not true. I know it's true for some. Some may not hear this. But that's God's business. I know there are those here that hear this and you want to know, yes, yes, I'm, I, that's, I'm sleeping with the devil and I don't want to. What's the answer, pastor? What's, what's the answer? As long as you're there and you can see you've been loving self-indulgences more than God, you've been loving raisin cakes, that you're being a gomer, you're being an unfaithful harlot bride to Christ, and now you go back. You can go back to last week of, of, of asking with arrogance and pride, how could Israel be such a gomer? So now you don't get up and you don't get arrogant. Remember, it was quite right. If he could chop off that branch, can he not chop off yours? If they don't continue in unbelief, he says, strive in your faith. This is where it is. How could I be such a gomer? That's, that's the question. And so I want to say, is all lost? Is all lost? No. No, all is not lost. Just as you saw last week, or if you could go back and listen to that maybe later, you saw that everything was not lost with Israel. That in the last days, God will take that harlot, unfaithful bride and say, you're mine, mine. And she's, she returns to him. She seeks him. And she comes to him trembling and worships him. God alone is faithful. That's what you need to see in Hosea 3. God alone is faithful because we're all prone to be gomers. We're all prone to be gomers. Even after salvation. Even after being sealed with the Spirit of God. We're prone to be gomers. But God in Hosea 3, 1 God will go again and love a woman. He will love his bride. He will love the wife of Christ, the church, even though she turns. Even though she turns to other gods. Even though she's full of self-indulgences. Why? Because she is his and his dominion is over and she is at his disposal because he purchased her with the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. We are His, and He is faithful. Can you get there with me? Can you get there with me? Well, the pastor Kevin, I'm a, I'm a good Christian guy, head on or woman, and I, I, I never falter or hit. I, I don't. You talk about holes opening up because I step over any pitfalls and holes that might open up. You know, I don't do anything wrong. I'm pretty good. I'm a, I'm more of like a Hosea. <laughs> No. No. He alone is faithful. And we are prone to be gomers. And when you get there, it's like, oh God, you're gracious. Your loving kindness is everlasting. How can you be so good? Your goodness is so good. It's beyond good. It's 
good. <laughs> he will go again and love his bride, the church, even though she turns, even because he's purchased us. It's the same message for us that it was for Israel. God brings discipline for a moment that does not seem to be joyful, but is sorrowful because afterwards, afterwards, after we've been trained by it, we will have fruit of righteousness. He is faithful to provide whatever you need to be by his side. Because you are his bride and he is faithful husband, groom, master, redeemer, savior, king. If you, if you and I could just wrap our minds around the love that God has for Israel, I, we spend a lot of time on that. If we get wrap our minds around the love that God has for Israel, we would see that nothing, I mean nothing, can separate you who are in Christ Jesus from the love of God. Can you say amen? When you see how much love God has for Israel, and you look at Israel, you're like, man, she's a gomer you would know that you were a gomer and you can realize that nothing can separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Not death, nor life. Not angels, nor principalities. Not things present, nor things to come. Not powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. Not you, not me, not anyone, not anything can ever separate us the church, the bride, the wife of Christ from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can you believe that? Can you hear that? Can you feel that? If you are being a gomer, he'll come get you and rescue you. And deliver you. You are his. And he is faithful. So we don't. Listen. Listen. We don't have to make excuses. We don't have to justify. Our harlotries. Because you know what. This is a love that will never let you go. This is a love that pierces the depths and darkness of any and every Gomer-like soul. I thought you'd say amen. <laughs> Let me try that again. We don't have to make excuses or justify our harlotries. This is a love that will not let you go and pierces the depths and darkness of any and every Gomer-like soul. Even though you can't see where he's leading you. Because I'll tell you what, when discipline comes, I can't see sometimes. Remember the moment, that moment that we're under the discipline? When you're under that, it doesn't seem joyful but sorrowful. I can't see sometimes. You don't know how long that moment's going to last. You don't know where he's leading you. It doesn't matter if you just know he will never let you go. Hosea 3 says, God will love again his unfaithful bride. And afterward, you and I, you and I, she, 
you and I, all who belong to God, will return. We'll seek Him. We'll come trembling to Him and to His goodness in the last days. So if you've wandered away, if you have friendships that are of this world, if you've been a gomer, God is here. God is here. God is right here, right now. God is here to take you back and to carry you in, to forgive you, to wash you, to cleanse you. He's here to love you. He's here right now. Wherever you went, wherever you've gone, no matter how long it's been, how short it's been, if you've gone, if you're a gomer but you're his, you're his bride, Come home. He's here, right here, to take you home and wash you and cleanse you and bury you in his side and provide everything you need to be his spotless, beautiful, glorious bride. He's here to free you from any other relationship that is adulterous to him and have you be holy for himself. Because I'll tell you, I tell you, God is a jealous God. Can you say amen? You see why? He's a husband. He is a jealous God. And I'm going to tell you this. Listen to me. Look up here. Look up here. Look up here. Look up here, everybody. He will not share you with another. He'll jump in that bed when you were in there with Satan, rip you up out of that bed and say, come on, you're mine. You're coming with me. Carry me, Lord. Carry me like that. I know you all struggle with certain sins, and you always pray to God the same thing every day. God, deliver me. God, take this away. Just take it away. Don't make me have to fight this. Take it away. God is. Give it to him. Give it to him. He's trying to take it, but you're holding it back. You've got your grips and your white knuckling. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. God is for you, not against you, and he's taking you home. You're his gomer, and he wants to wash you. Cleanse you, forgive you, strengthen you, and show you his love like you've never seen before. Can you say amen? Listen, I, I, I got to tell you this. I got to tell you this because someone might listen to the video. I don't know if it ever happens or not. But I'm not trying to culturalize this text, or am I trying to interpret it mystically? I'm not. I'm not even trying to contextualize it. Let me tell you what I'm doing. I'm interpreting this text of Hosea chapter 3 with the whole counsel of the Word of God, knowing, already knowing the mysteries of the gospel through the scriptures and through the apostles. This text of Hosea 3, it is God's faithful love to His wayward bride to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's how I'm interpreting it. That's all I want to say here. God's inviting you. Maybe you already have the invitation. But God's inviting you to the wedding feast of his son. Will you not come? Will you not come and take him by the hand and say, I do? I do take you, groom, to be my husband unto eternal life. Uh, Let me let Jesus say this instead of me, right? Matthew 22. Matthew 22, verse 1 through 14. I'll read it quickly. Because you've all read it before. Matthew 22, verse 1. Jesus spoke to them again in a parable saying, Hey, the kingdom of heaven, it may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He sent out his slaves, he says, to call those who have been invited to the wedding feast and they were unwilling to come. Again, he sent out other slaves and said, Tell those who've been invited, behold, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatted, my fattened livestock are all butchered and everything's ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went their way, one to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. You hear Jesus? Come. Come to the Father. 
come. Right? Here he was, come. And they killed him. But the king was enraged and he sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. Then he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main highways and as many as you find there, invite to the wedding feast. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all they found, both evil and good, and the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. But when the king came in to look over the dinner guest, he saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes. He said to him, friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Everybody gets so caught up on, oh, but many are called, few are chosen. That's fine. But what I tell you, be amazed by. Be amazed by God's grace more than his wrath. Be amazed by his wrath, but be more amazed by his, help me out, amazing grace. How sweet the sound, right? That saved a what? That saved a what? Help me out here. Amazing grace that saved a gomer like me. How about that one? How about a gomer? How about a wretch like me? Can you even say those words or are you like those who have changed the lyrics of that song to say a person? Don't harden our hearts. But I want you to see something in that text. Notice who they invited. Both evil and good. You know that's not righteous, unrighteous. Good and evil is by man's standards. God said, go out there and invite people who are corporate America, ties. Go out there and invite the laborers, the street workers. Go out and invite prostitutes, murderers. Go out there and invite CEOs. Go out there and invite everybody you see on the street. Everybody. Do you see who's at the dinner? It says when he came in and looked, the room was filled with the dinner guest. Both evil and good, they were all in there. Look at that grace of God. You don't earn salvation. It's a gift by grace through faith. The ones that thought they were in didn't get in because they didn't want to go in. They were unwilling to go in. They couldn't hear. Their ears were stopped. How'd that happen? You know how it happened. God put a partial hardening on the Israelites so Gentiles could come in. You hear that in the parable? Anyways, look at that. Notice that both good and evil or both good and bad are invited. But I want you to look at there was only one who's not dressed in wedding clothes. You see what happens to him, right? He's thrown out into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know what that means. He's this is a parable. Jesus is speaking. This one doesn't have wedding clothes. He goes to hell. It's, it's hard, hard to understand and believe it. But look at all the dinner guests. I was like, what are these clothes? What are these clothes that he's not wearing? These wedding clothes that he's supposed to be wearing. And the only understanding I could gain from this is Revelation 19, 7 through 9. Revelation 19, 7 through 9, it says, Let us rejoice and be glad. Give the glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Remember what Ephesians says? Ephesians says that Christ nourishes and cherishes the wife so that he might present to himself the church in all her glory without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And here she is. It was given, verse 8, it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. So, okay, yeah, you got to have fine linen to get in to the wedding feast. If you're not wearing this fine linen, you get thrown out of the wedding feast. You're not invited to the party. You, you came, you get cast out. And then listen, it says, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints, and he said to me, right, blessed are, the, listen, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. These are true words of God. 
So there's good and evil people there. And they all have wedding clothes on. They were all dressed in fine linen. Evil were dressed in fine linen. Good were dressed in fine linen. There was only one that wasn't and he was taken out. But see that there was many in fine linen and some were good and some were evil. Do you not hear this? Maybe you hear this. All our righteous good deeds are like filthy rags apart from Christ Jesus. Good or bad, all your deeds apart from Christ are filthy rags. No good. That's not fine linen. That's not the wedding clothes. The wedding clothes that you have to wear, God says, fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. The only way that we have these wedding clothes of fine linen, which are the righteous acts of the saints, the only way we have them is being clothed in Christ's righteousness. It's by faith, by faith, by faith, through grace. Romans five nineteen through 21 it says, Through the obedience of the one, Jesus Christ being obedient, the bride will be made righteous. I don't have to say many. You saw it in, you saw it in, in Matthew 22. The many. They were the wedding guests that had the fine linen of the righteous acts of the saints. And Paul's saying in Romans, you know what righteous acts those are? They're the ones that you've been clothed in by the obedience of Jesus Christ, not your own. You can't do good. You can't do right. You can't do anything to put on a new set of clothes that makes you stand at peace with God apart from Christ Jesus. So Jesus is here. Right now, he's saying, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, God is calling you, and be betrothed to my son, Jesus Christ, by faith. Do you believe him? Do you want to let go of everything that's holding you back? Come to him. The many will be made righteous through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Grace reigns, it says. Grace reigns through righteousness to eternal life. In other words, Christ takes gomers, you and me, us. He takes gomers whom God called and set his love upon, whom also Christ loved and gave his life for, whom also Christ has been the faithful husband to, and he sanctifies you. He cleanses you by the washing of water with the word and he nourishes you. He cherishes you so that he might present you to himself. The wife, the bride, the gomer, the church in all your glory. In all your glory. Will you come to him? Stop making excuses. Stop justifying. Just come. He wants to wash you and cleanse you. He wants to present you in all your glory. No spot, no wrinkle, no such thing. But that you, Gomer, in all your imperfections might be holy and blameless. God's love in Christ Jesus will not let his Gomer go. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? No matter what you've done. No matter where you've been. Nothing can separate you. For you are his. And he is faithful. You are his and he is faithful. You are his and he is faithful. You don't know where he's leading you. But you know he'll never let you go. You don't know where he's leading, but you know he'll provide everything you need to be the spotless bride. He began the good work in you. You can trust him. 
You can hope in Him and you can wait on Him to complete it. To Him be the glory and to you be eternal joy. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that you betrothed us to you by your mercy and your grace, by your favor and your choice, God. Help us, Lord, to be amazed by your grace, to be at all in wonder of your mercies, Lord, that are new every morning, afternoon and night, every moment of our life. They're new. They're new. Your mercies are new right now. You're here right now to forgive us, to wash us and cleanse us. You're here right now to strengthen us and to build us up as a holy people unto you, God. You're here leading us to yourself. So God, I pray you would do a miracle in us, soften our hearts and lead us to your kingdom, to your glory and to your mercy table. And might find grace and mercy to help in our time of need. We love you, Lord, and we know it's because you first loved us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, Amen.